we'd like to welcome you out to another edition of the Lodestone Training Consultant Podcast. I'm Jared Ross, and with me today, Chris Johnson. All right, and today should be a should be a, a good one. It's one that um, the topic that we've been asked a lot, um, and a lot of times, so I guess we've him and hemmed and hawed kind of around it, and, and given little fine fine details in certain aspects, but we really haven't discussed it in this way before. Well, I, I think it's because of the nature of the topic, it's not a five minute conversation. And usually we're asked like on a break between a class or at the end of the day, um, if we're lucky, we're at dinner with someone and it's too loud and we can't really discuss things. Yeah. Uh, so this platform gives us that opportunity to have this conversation. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about, well, I guess what I've titled preparing like an ODA. And if you don't know what an ODA is, it stands for Operation Detachment Alpha. Yes. So this is the basic uh, Special Forces team, our 12-man team. So everything we're going to be talking about today is is thinking and preparing um, as an ODA would. So as you guys know, we're pretty big advocates of being prepared, of food storage, of being self-reliant, um, and, and also being... Having skills. Yeah, skills. Being well-rounded. Um, if if life was just running around on the flat range, you know, that'd be okay. But but that's not the real world. As much as I say it all the time, it's never the soccer pitch. Yep, we're never in that flat, even terrain. It's always coming at us from an angle. Now that's life in general, whether we're talking about shooting or not. That's right. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you a little bit of background about me and about my. Uh, I guess my education or my introduction, that's a better word, my introduction to being prepared and, and overall preparedness. And it was when I was 12 years old and um, had nothing to do with the Boy Scouts. Um, but I was 12 years old. That's when my church begins their, their youth group. So at 12 years old and maybe one week, I went to my, I was on a Tuesday night, went to my first uh, youth group. And boy, I was bored out of my mind. It was lame. I didn't have much fun. Uh, it was just, just boring. So I'm 12 years old in two weeks, and I'm going to my second youth group. And it was about that time that I hooked up with a, a buddy of mine, hooked up with a guy uh, named Gweed. See, even even as a youth, we came up with code names for each other, and, and I still can't break that. that, that OPSEC code. is important. That's right. Know? So Gweed and I, we um, we snuck out. We walked down to the corner drugstore, walked into a place in Lancaster. Does The building's still there, but um, the, the business isn't there anymore. It's called the Queen's Pharmacy. So we walked into the Queen's Pharmacy, and that evening, he and I were introduced to Soldier of Fortune magazine and American Survival Guide. And those two publications, they uh, really started, at least started me down that path of thinking about preparing and thinking about... Uh, emergencies and those different contingencies and, and what to do um so that's, that's really where i got my start you know for me it actually was the boy scouts yeah i you know i did not go to philmont my my troop was not <laughs> that good um but we lived in california and california had uh, earthquakes and so we had had a lot of earthquake preparedness um things to do around the house and something as simple as I had a flashlight by everyone's bed. I, that was the thing I took away from the lesson. 
Um, that was the, the level of preparedness. Again, I was, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And we had the Northridge earthquake. And it was pretty powerful. It knocked out the power and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, it was pretty memorable at the time. But because I had done that small preparation, everyone had a flashlight. So the middle of the night, you know, everything's going chaotically. We have the tool that we most needed to get around and figure out what was going on with that, that flashlight. And I started to recognize the importance of making that assessment, seeing what the dangers are in the environment, and then finding what tools we could have to kind of aid ourselves in dealing with whatever those problems were. And so that was my start. That was my introduction to why we need to prepare. Bad things happen all the time. Wherever you're at in the world, something could happen. So let's start mitigating that risk. That's absolutely right. So that was the the late 80s, mid-late 80s, I guess, when uh, when I was exposed to those, those magazines. So then we had all the 90s, and, um, you know, I was – Never really stopped. Never really, you know, changed. It's always like looking. What can I do a little bit better? How can I be a little more prepared? Trying to educate myself and stuff. And I found myself um, going to, and then actually working for a friend, more for fun than anything. Some of the preparedness expos that were going on around the late '90s, uh, I guess, in preparation for for Y2K. And there, I was able to meet a lot of interesting people. And good it was, way of putting it. Yeah, and was exposed to a lot of. Uh, Again, interesting people and ideas and concepts. Some people that uh, their idea of being a survivalist, uh, a prepper or whatever, being prepared was just crazy. Having an SKS. Yes, 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 absolutely. I think the last, uh, I talked about this a little bit or mentioned this um, with my sister because she was there along with me. If you guys want to, if you haven't listened to the podcast with my sister, I think that one's called Mama Bear. So we talked a little bit about that, but. I will never forget this guy, and uh, he was convinced. He had his SKS, and he had his bandolier with, like, 200 uh, 762 by 39 rounds, and that was it. He was going to take the power back, and and uh, I just, man, just so delusional, <laughs> not, not, not looking at, at the real world or even thinking, you know, beyond five minutes after the time he would need, quote-unquote, his his SKS. And, and this is all without the disillusion of the video games that are out there. Yeah, that, oh, yeah, you know. yeah. I think the only first person shooter there was what Doom, or maybe yeah, some yeah. stuff like that at that time. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was nuts. But as we go throughout this podcast, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll think and, and share a little bit more about some of that craziness. Well, one of the things that uh, trains of thought that I've seen that I've been exposed to, and, and really, it can really be boiled down to these two is, as you prepare, um, you have two options. You can be that lone wolf. Or you can uh, prepare in a group. And uh, first, I just want to address the lone wolf. There are some advantages. Um, one, you have to start somewhere. I can remember being a young man, 12, 13, or whatever, thinking, oh, I'm it. What if, you know, reading those, those silly magazines, what, what if XYZ happens? I, I saw Red Dawn. What if the Russians jump into my backyard? And uh, so at that young age. Or Cubans. Or Cubans. Eh, it was the Russians that jumped. But. Oh. Cuba's closer. Yeah, They're okay. having some okay. trouble right now. Yeah, well, they are. You know. So I, um, you know, I, I had my knife. I had my flashlight. I had uh, some matches from a from an MRE I got from somebody. You know, just those small little things. So I understand when, when you're it, um, that's where everyone has to start as that quote-unquote lone wolf. Um, and also an advantage is that realization that, hey, nobody's coming to help me, so I have to help myself. 
That's important with your growth. Once you realize that you need to help yourself and you do everything with your own ability, then then it's time to start start reaching out. Um, well, and once you can do stuff for yourself, mm-hmm. then you can expand. But if you are going to be a burden on others, you know you're going to take the roof down. Um, so we have to start, like you said, you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. What little things can I do now uh, as that individual to make myself better and more prepared for whatever situation it is? The, the problem that arises is that too many people never get beyond that. They uh, only look at themselves as, as a lone wolf. They feel isolated. Um, they feel alone. So then some of the cons of, of that is you can't carry it all. You can't know it all. Um, you can't have everything. No, I, I, when I think of Lone Wolf, the first thought that comes to my mind right now, the, the most modern, recent example I can think of is um, Ted Kaczynski. I mean, that dude, he had his cabin in the woods. <laughs> he built his own batteries. You know, I mean, he, he did a lot for himself. But he also required other things of others. You know, he mm-hmm. had he had a, a community that he did... On the outskirts he lived in, but he still utilized his neighbor's machine shop for this and that. Uh, he still utilized the library. Um, he still needed things. He still required people. As much as we'd like to think that oh, I can handle everything, there there is a downside to that. The other example, Lone Wolf, that, that comes to my mind, uh, I, Jeremiah Johnson, you know, Go back. I mean, he's going to go out. He's going to be that mountain man, that hunter. He still ends up requiring outside help. Do you know what that's based off of? Have you read any of the the books on that uh, that movie was based off of? No. The guy's real nickname was Liver Eaton Johnson, and he had an ongoing uh, feud with the crows. So he would kill them and then eat their liver to. Uh, attempt to instill fear in, in psychological warfare against them. You don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your buddy. That's right. Which leads into the next point. You need a buddy to be faster than. So, so the, again, that idea of being able to do everything by yourself, it's just, it, it's not feasible. You have to sleep sometime. You, you have to depend and, and rely on other people. So since that's inevitable, um, and that's just reality, then it pays to work in a group. Uh, you know, we, we discovered this several times throughout our history in special operations where, oh, we're going to send two guys because, you know, it's a small number that they can infiltrate, they can do what, what's necessary and get out. That works really, really good in the movies when everything's under control. Mm-hmm. But what's quickly learned is two guys can't carry enough food. Two guys can't carry enough water. Two guys can't carry enough ammo. Two guys can't carry enough batteries. Okay, we need four guys. Okay, that's, we're running the same problems. They, we still have to resupply them too often. We have, to, we have to go in and get them faster. And that's how we come to an ODA where we have 12 men. Mm-hmm. 12-man ODA, you can break down into the smaller teams for those momentary operations. But you're able to sustain operations a lot longer. And you're able to cover down and have a backup on all the specialties. So I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know all the medical stuff. I'm cross-trained. I can help out the medic, but I don't have to be a specialty as a medic and a weapon sergeant and an intel sergeant. 
when you're trying to wear too many hats, you know, it just doesn't work. So Something fails off. We're starting to get a little ahead of ourselves. Before we, we – you've already said all that, but before we really get into to that ODA and start breaking down how an ODA would, would attack a problem, um, I want to talk a little bit about groups and some of the advantages and also disadvantages. So you just mentioned a lot of, of the advantages, that you're sharing the burden, sharing skills. You know, you are cross-trained as a medic, but you don't have all the fine medic skills. You have somebody else can do that. You've got all the skills as a weapon sergeant plus as an intel sergeant. So that, that Charlie or that engineer, he doesn't have to worry about necessarily the, that intelligence piece be, because you've got that. And then when it comes to the commo guy, he has everyone on the ODA with a strong back to carry all of his stupid batteries. Um, <laughs> so so you know, the, the advantages is, is you know, you're right there. Exactly right. So you can share the burden, share skills, share resources. And uh, with that group and a good functioning group, then people are there when, when you're in need. But some of the problems that I have seen, now mind you, I have have watched, observed, um, participated in to some degree um, groups and individuals you know, since the late 80s, since I was first exposed, again, to those magazines and started thinking, hey, you know, what would be the best way to prepare? And what I have seen time and time and time again with different groups that are working together to, to quote-unquote prepare is if they don't have a good um, direction, if they don't have a good uh, idea, understanding of, of what they really are, then um, most groups, what I've seen time and time again, is they uh, start to have internal conflicts, personality conflicts, because they're not unified and in, in what it is they want to accomplish. And uh, as a result, then it, it turns into a cult of personality. Time and time again, I've seen these groups, um, as an observer, shed good people um, until they come down to a core group that's just, again, a, a cult of personality, which basically everyone then is serving the needs of, of that one individual who's in charge, who really, that person's there just to get the attention, just wants to be the center of attention and wants to be able to, to pull the strings, whether it's a group of three or it's a group of 20 or, or whatever. So if you don't, from the beginning, have a good understanding and a good basis of why do we even, why are we even working together as a collective group of people, then it's eventually just, just going to fall apart and nothing but problems, nothing but problems. And again, I've seen that over and over again. Right. And, you know, like you said, having a good direction. The group can be organized and start with that goal and that intent, but if it's not maintained and nurtured and continue to focus, it still can break apart. It still can dissolve. Mm -hmm. um, and again, <laughs> you've made the comment about the the strong individuals, the, that personality that, that it just starts to crave the attention, mm -hmm. break things down. Um, what is the purpose behind the group? Is, is it there so that we are mutually supportive? Uh, or is it there because I want to have a bunch of people around me that will do my bidding? Exactly. And, and it, I've seen it again and again, and that's what it, it turns into, which is, you know, whatever. Um, reminded of, a, of a, a time there was a, a small group that uh, my sister and I, we... Uh, a loose group of friends who, uh, you know, had that idea, we're going to work together, we're going to prepare together. And uh, 
then it started to shed members, and my sister and I started to get more and more, uh, you know, like, eh, this is getting a little little silly. This isn't based in reality. And uh, then I remembered uh, the one guy gave us a phone call, and it must have been like December, I don't know, 15th, 20th, 1999. And he's like, Y2K's almost here. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, are you going to come wait it out with us in the woods? I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and, and literally, literally, he and I think two or three other people were in the woods, December 31st, 1999, waiting for, I don't know, if they thought that's when the aliens were going to attack or every plane was going to fall out of the sky or, or what the case may be. And, and they were irritated that my sister and I were having a new year's party with our family and with some other friends and like, Hey, it's, it's the end of the end of the century. We're you know, welcoming you know, the next century whatever. But that was, to me, that was just a hmm, nice. That was just a, a good, uh, good example that I lived through that, you know, you're not living in reality. This individual, you know, thinking that, that that was an appropriate thing to do, which just it, it boggled my mind. But what, what, what were they going to do then? Now it's, it's 1201. You know, and, and, and what, the, the supposed Russians who are hiding out in the Allegheny Forest, they were going to attack, or, 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 or what? I mean, just just not individuals who get so caught up and get so delusional that they're not thinking, okay, what, what's next? What's next? What's next? It all, you know, boils back down, at least to me, seeing that one guy's, you know, telling me, well, I've got my SKS, and we're going to take it back. Like, okay, take what back? Whatever. So, again... If your group, quote unquote group, or your family, your friends who are preparing, if you're not starting down that 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 right path, then you know who knows what what the outcome might be, or what you know you'll, you'll find someone's going to find themselves in the middle of the woods, you know, <laughs> waiting for the the white two gate white two K bug well, hit all know, the airplanes. You know that the what is it the uh, Aztecs. The yeah. Aztec calendar or, or the Mayan calendar. Yeah, my, yeah. that was the next thing, the 2012? Yeah, well, no, it, they were dyslexic. So it's 2021. <laughs> oh, is that what it so is? So it's, it's like uh, this October or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll see you all in the woods. Okay. <laughs> so with all that, that precursor, what are we going to talk? What are we talking about? We're talking about taking our experience and the principles of success, the principles that, that, um, how an ODA prepares for a mission. And then we're going to liken them to being well-rounded and being prepared yourself. Uh, so with that said, uh, what is what does an ODA, Chris? And I'll, I'll stop talking and let you do some more talking since you're an intel sergeant. Uh, um, since, since I already tried to let the cat out of the bag uh, earlier, right, now, right. now I have to give the cat up. But I like the cat. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, I have four. You had three a couple weeks ago. I know, I know, but I, I at that fourth, he's just, he's a handful. He's yeah. a lot of fun. What's, what, what I think is more fun is you, you know, one day we have two male rabbits. Then the next day, oh, <laughs> we have one male. We have seven rabbits now. <laughs> yes. Nature will find a way. Oh, that's, right. that's exactly what my kid said. Hasn't he seen Jurassic Park? Nature will find a way. Ah. <laughs> uh, Yes, yes. <laughs> so, out there, if you're uh, looking to adopt a baby rabbit, let us know. Or if my wife will let me, we might uh, eat baby rabbits. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the tender meat. I'm not allowed to joke about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
that the family says they're too cute to have a sense of humor about. I digress. Let's go back to the, the topic at hand. Okay. Uh, in ODA. So when we're getting ready to, to go to a place, say we're going to go to, you know, I don't know, some unknown place in unknown land or, or whatever. Um, here we'll, we'll use what we know. So, so we're going into Pineland. Okay. People's Republic of Pineland. Um, what's the first thing that we do? Well, area study. Okay. 100%. If we're, we have a, we received a mission, you need to go X. Myself as the Intel Sergeant, I have a responsibility to put forth an Intel product, which is called an area study. It's going to be as much as I can compile um, about the area. Think of Wikipedia on said city, country, whatever, on steroids, as deep into the weeds as I can get. Kind of funny, we, we actually, our Intel 2 class is based about doing an area study. So you guys actually can come in spend two days learning and producing a product uh, for whatever your next family vacation or your own area that you want to know about. So the area study, that's, that's a good jumping off place as an ODA. Uh, the next, if you have the means of going into that, that country, uh, would be a pre-deployment site survey. That's preferably you're actually going there. You're, you're putting boots on the ground. You're seeing things. So, this is talking like if we're doing something with a, a friendly nation. I, I'm going over to, say, Saudi Arabia. We're going to go do some training with them. Uh, myself and uh, as the intel sergeant and some of the leadership, whether it's uh, the team leader or the warrant or some of the other guys, we would go and conduct that pre-deployment side survey where we're going to start to – actually get some ground truth. So we're going to take and confirm or deny the kind of assumptions we make in that area study. So the area study is all based out of books and internet research and talking to it's, people who have already been there. It's all academic. Uh, it's all academic. Mm-hmm. But we now, once we've done the academic work. And now you're doing a PDSS. PDSS, you've got to get on the ground and actually see and confirm those things. So two years ago, Another ODA had gone into that country, and they trained with these guys, and this guy was a lieutenant then. Well, now we're going in there two years later, and he's a major. Well, that, that's something that we needed to know. We wouldn't have known that off of paper, but because we went there with the PDSS, we now have that information. And then everyone has their own particular specialty. So prior to the PDSS, you're not taking the whole team. It's a small element that's going. You're going to have the questions. So... Uh, I don't know how your teams did it. My team, uh, the 18 Fox and the Warrant came up with the, uh, or compiled the PDSS questions. Mm-hmm. So they, they might have asked for some input. Yes. Some yeah, specifics. Uh, yes. But, so each yeah. MOS, give me your questions. Yeah. So like the top five things that you need to know. Uh, simple answer, you know, simple example would be like the medic. Uh, where is the, you know, hospital at? Next thing. What is the level of care that that hospital can do? Uh, what is the evacuation route to get an individual to the next higher level of care? Uh, then say, like, what are the most common um, communable diseases in the country? Simple stuff that you would ask probably any, you know, the medic would always mm-hmm. have those mm-hmm. questions. But then he might have something specific about, hey, we're doing a, some kind of training with these guys. I need to know how many medics they have or something like that. That might be a different question. Your Bravos, 
What kind of weapons are they using? Where can I store my ammunition? Um, can we bring ammunition into the country or do we have to procure it locally? Charlie's, what kind of building material do they have? Uh, do we have to bring stuff? Um, do we have some place to uh, store our supplies? On and on and on. Basically, the list comes out to what those MOS-specific questions might be. You know, myself as, as the 18 Fox, I'm looking at those, confirming those intel things, you know, about political leaders, all the A-scope type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, confirming and deny, or denying what information that we have uh, with the area assessment. And let me stop you right there. So one of the reasons why Green Berets are so successful is because we do this. There are other um, units and elements in SOF, in, in American SOF, who don't do that. So they are relying on other people to do that work for them. Yep. And there's advantages to that, but then also there's the disadvantages that they don't know for I, themselves. They're, they're still doing everything going in blind everywhere. I, I say it all the time. Uh, there is a reason I did not go to a special mission unit. I like control. I like to be the guy that's doing the planning. The idea of sitting in a hangar and having someone come and give me a brief and say, go. Even though I had, if I was in that position, I would have better training, better weapons. The guys to the left and right of me would be the top, top, top of the best, right? I still would be turning myself over. Then I'm just a cog in the wheel. As a Green Beret on an ODA, I am a cog in the machine, and I am the machine. And I give direction. I get loose guidance from my chain of command. Hey, I need you to go to this country and train these guys. Okay. And then I come back to my chain of command and say, I'm going where you told me. I'm working with the guys that you told me, and this is what I'm doing. Now, they can approve or you know, disapprove what I'm doing. But because I'm doing things the right way, it's going to be approved. Yeah. And, man, I, I love the control of that. I mean, I, I'm a control freak. I'm sorry, you know. Uh, but that was definitely the, the juice for me. Uh, having that and being an 18 Fox and having that input as much as I love being a Bravo and just being the gun guy, there's times that being the Fox and having that control and that input is amazing. I go back to target days in Iraq. I would go through my target packets and I'd go to the commander. This is a guy we need to go hit tonight. That's awesome. You know, that, that is some control of your life. Uh, yeah. So, so after the, the PDSS, what's what's next? So once we've gone out and we've done that PDSS, we're going to come back and we've already started the planning process, but now we're going to go ahead and we're going to start really nailing those things down. We have answered some questions and we have new questions, you know, logistics, communication. Um, we're going to... what. We know what we're doing, but how are we actually, we're getting into the specifics of how we're going to ex- execute that. Uh, you know, big thing, that PDSS, once you do that, um, I mentioned it loosely, logistics. That is such a huge thing that is overlooked. Uh, we, especially in the planning process, it's not shiny. You know, the execution phase is shiny where we're actually, we're going here, we're doing X. That's really exciting. How are we getting there? How are we infilling? How are we getting all 12 of us there? How are we feeding all 12 of us there? Well, you know, before that, 
really what's driving everything. So now that we've got the PDSS, right? We, we know what we're, what we're getting into. Now we're going to, we're going to get that, that big picture mission, right? We're going to get that. This is the, the direction. This is what we're going to be doing overall. You're going to be there to stabilize. You're going to be there to train. You're going to be there to do overthrow. Exactly. Direct action or, or, or whatever the case may be. So then now that you have that big picture, right, that's going to then drive everything. Okay. If, if we're here to stabilize, if we're here to overthrow, if we're here to, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, we're here to give out hugs and to help people grow wheat instead of growing pot, you know, or whatever the case may be. Now that we know what that big picture is now that we can start, like you said, now we can get into to the Intel. What intelligence, give me a good definition of intelligence, battlefield intelligence. <laughs> just, you know, what, what, what is Intel? Uh, so it, Intelligence. It's not how smart you are. No, it's it is information that you have collected and processed. Mm-hmm. Right? It's got to go through the grinder. Um, you have to look through a lens and assess it and evaluate it. Uh, information is you know a picture of something, an address, someone's name. It doesn't mean anything. We can have information just pass by our eyeballs all day long. But once we start processing and filtering and saying what that information means Mm -hmm. and how it affects our mission and ourselves. One of my easiest examples of this is think of the weather. Everyone understands weather. You pull up your phone, you look at your, your weather app and it says tomorrow it's going to be 90 degrees. Okay. That's information. 90 degrees is information. You turn that into intelligence by then saying, okay, maybe I don't want to go and do that crazy CrossFit workout outside in the <laughs> middle of the day. Okay. Maybe I don't want to do 10 days of man tracking in the woods of Alabama when it's 90 plus 90, you know, five degrees humidity with no wind because you're in the middle of the woods. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> there you're taking that information and you're, you're comparing it with something, a filter. All right. What it's like to be outside when it's hot. And then you are able to, Use that to make intelligence. And then off of that intelligence, you can make a decision. Mm-hmm. Hey, it sucks when it's hot outside and I'm doing manual labor. <laughs> I don't want to mow the lawn at noon. So after you get that big, big picture idea or you have your, your commander says, we're going to take that hill, man, or, or whatever, that big thing. Now you know the specifics in intelligence that you need to help feed that so you can better enact that, yes, that mission, it, right? it is that vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, operations feeds intelligence. Intelligence feeds operations. Yep. So the more that we know of what our mission is, the more we can then focus and filter. So, you know, simple example, um, we are going to go to Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. All right. Well, prior to this, we knew we were going to be somewhere in central Pennsylvania. So I, as the 18 Fox, I have collected all this information on central Pennsylvania. Well, now it turns out I don't need to know all the hospitals in central Pennsylvania. So that goes away. Now I can focus on what the true capabilities are around Lock Haven. Uh-huh. Uh, it's narrowing my focus. It's refining my searches. Uh, and the information that's come back from PDSS is, is extreme for that. And, you know, I mean, if you're talking about doing this for where you live, hey, your PDSS is step out the door. So what kind of comms, what kind of, I mean, the next thing that an ODA is going to you know, take care of now that we have the big picture, we've got the intel, now we need to figure out how we're going to talk to each other. 
how we're going to feed that communications, right? So that's you got the echoes who, who are doing their thing. And what kind of communication is important? Well, the team internal, I, mean, I need to talk to you, and I can talk to you across the table. Or if we're on a mission, it helped have a radio that we can talk to each other. But then also we need to, that ODA is also talking to who? Talking to? Talking to hire or talking to other ODAs. Mm-hmm. You know, are there other teams that are in adjacent countries that could be supporting? Or even in the same country, if something happened that you could support, how do you report back to hire? Um, do we have internet capability? Is that internet something that we want to talk on? Uh, are we going to use HF or are we going to use... Um, some sort of other system that, that's out there? Do we have access to SATCOM? Um, what radios can we bring into the country? You know, th- this is a, f- a fun thing. I went to Albania, and um, we had some equipment that we were taking, and this is a training event. But for whatever reason, they want us to take this equipment that we probably shouldn't have taken into Albania. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there I am going through customs, and the Albanians are like, uh, what is this? Well, um, because we're doing a PDSS, uh, w- this tells us the, the signal strength for the cell network so we can know uh, what cell phones to bring. You know, something that I'm, I'm often reminded of, uh, we plan. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get nothing out, you have to plan. When I'm asked what separates Green Braves from other special operations, I think of that. I think of you know, planning. Um, other people say it's our language capability. You can teach people language. Um, you know, you, you get immersed enough, but it's planning. It, you know, when I was thinking here, uh, specifically here, the comm piece, and that's the origin of the PACE plan. Yeah. Yes, we use PACE plan for everything, for everything. Else, but but specific, it comes from the yeah, yeah. And you know what I, what were we just watching the other day at lunch? And we can only take oh, so much of yes, it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, if they would have had a pace plan. Yeah, exactly. Would have saved a lot of lives. I uh, I always picture the quote from uh, Hunt for Red October. The average risky won't take a dump without a plan, son. <laughs> and all I can think is, man, I have a plan. You know, I go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, do I have reading material? Do I have paper? You know, I go through the whole process. Do I have a place that I can wash my hands? You know, that's that's what it is. It's all about being able to plan and understand. Do I have a timeline that meets my needs? So then after the comm plan is logistics. You already started talking about logistics, and that is a huge piece because where are we, where are we going as an ODA? Are we going to have to live off the local economy? Are we going to have to bring everything in with us? Um, combination of both. Are we going to have support from the conventional military or, or maybe another military? I know uh, my first experience, it was freaking cool, um, when my platoon in the 82nd Airborne in 2002, end of 2002, we went into Afghanistan, and we were at a small little uh, fire base we, for about half or maybe two-thirds of our meals, we, we lived off the local economy. So that meant that we had a lot of rice, a lot of potatoes, a lot of flatbread. We also had, um, uh, the, there were, I think, an ODA and part of an ODB or maybe two ODAs there at that fire base. And then my platoon of roughly 50 guys and then a couple other support people who were there. But we had a small a herd, I think like three or five cattle and we had chickens and stuff there. So 
you know, living off the local economy, plus uh, we had uh, mermites for, uh, or, or sorry, not mermites, we had tea rats for, for like lunch. Um, and if you don't know what tea rat is, think an MRE, but only like one entree out of a big tray that you boil, boil to warm up. They, they were worse than MREs. Um, and, and that was it. So occasionally, you know, we'd slaughter one of the cows and, and eat that. But that's how we dealt with the, the logistics there. We knew we had to fend for ourselves and, and buy off that local economy in order to keep ourselves fed. And you had to maintain it. Yep. And, yep. That was all part of the, the process. Uh, logistics, like I said, it's not shiny. You know, it's not shooting people in the face. But what wins wars? Is it beans or is it bullets? It's those beans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have we have to be able to feed our forces um, and take care of them. And every time I've deployed, I'm sure you're the same way. You're always shaking your head at the 18 Delta who takes an entire half, if not full, um, mm-hmm. ISU 90 space. And it's like, we only have so much pallet space. Do you really need all these? And they always will say the same thing. I hope I don't. And then it's like, oh yeah. Okay. That's right. Um, and, why is it? Why do they have to bring so much stuff with them? Because where we're going, we don't have those medical facilities. They're it. They need to have all of those pieces and so, mechanisms. So if they have to, they, they can. They can keep us yep. alive. They can run labs. They can do samples. Yes. Yep. Logistics. It's important. If you don't think about it, you, you fail. Um, what's the famous quote by the uh, the German uh, tank commander who was taken in World War II? He was, you know, talking and uh, to some of Patton's guys, and um, he was saying how you know, his his Tiger tank just stood there, and then here comes a Sherman tank around the corner, boom, blew it up. Another Sherman, boom, blew it up. Another Sherman, boom, blew it up, until he he ran out of rounds, and and, and that's what it was. They, they didn't win because the Shermans were better than the Tiger tanks. They won because of logistics, because we had more tanks and he he had bullets. You know, that's just what it comes down to. Logistics wins. All right. Uh, briefing and staging. So we got to communicate to our people. Uh, we And we also have to communicate to, you know, as an ODA, we're going to communicate to hire. We're going to go ahead and do the brief back. Uh, if I'm not telling my guys what the plan is and what they're doing, where's the motivation? Uh, and, yeah, they created the plan. Together as a cum- as a community, we we've come up with that. We still got to brief it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I've related this to: you're an actor in a movie. You acted in your scenes, but have you seen the movie? You have to have the briefing. So then, with that, then we're, we're prepping, getting ready to actually go into that country. All this prior to has actually been preparation. Yep. And planning before we actually go in, going into Pineland. So then after you've staged, ready to go, then you you actually do it. You actually go in. You actually uh, jump or, or however. You know, I've, I guess I've infilled in a lot of different ways. J- uh, combat jump in JRTC. <laughs> Did my little combat jump into Robin Sage and then took Calm Air, you know, going, uh, <laughs> going other places. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I still... I think the best infill was flying uh, Lufthansa yeah. in business class. <laughs> you know, um, that was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. And they, and they kept getting upset because, I, you know, ever you guys know me. I, one, 
I have a fat tongue, so I mispronounce things all the time, especially if it's foreign. They really don't like it when you keep calling it um, Luftwaffe uh, business class. <laughs> they, I, I don't know what the problem was. You're resonating too much. It's, that's funny. I wonder why they'd be upset with that. Ah, then you could just pull the, I'm a stupid American. Uh, what? Yeah, what? what? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then after you're there on the ground, after the ODA sets up camp, um, and now we've, we're at that, that safe house, so we're at that, that fire base or we're, whatever, that team house, we're there. What's the very first thing that we do? Introductions. Introductions. That's right. We go ahead and we, you know, smoke the uh, the hookah. Smoke and drink, the hookah. Drink, drink the, the chai. chai mm-hmm. Eat the rice. Don't eat the fish. <laughs> Always avoid the fish and the milk. No milk products. Yogurt bad. So then we start that working with uh, our counterparts yeah. or, or trying to build those counterparts and then coordinating whatever it is we're going to do with them. So a good ODA on most you know missions. Uh, if, unless it's just something that's strictly direct action, we want to work with as many people as we can with the locals and include them with as much as we can um, for a lot of different reasons. Well, you know, 12 guys can't carry everything. Mm-hmm. And as any, um, you know, turn of the century explorer will tell you, you, you have to have the Sherpa. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, they don't require oxygen like you do. No, they don't. <laughs> So we're building those relationships, getting that, that coordination down, and uh, learning the local customs, the local people, so we can work with them, so that, that they realize that we're here um, as their friends and as their allies, and that uh, though they might not trust you know, the, the big guys or, or the big government, they know you, Chris, because they've looked you in the eye, and you've looked them in the eye, and they know that, that they can trust you. And from my experience so far... That's, that's me knocking. Um, whenever I've been deployed, and I, I don't think I'll ever be deployed again, but in the, when I've deployed and I've actually been that role as a Green Beret, that is the one area that I think I've, I've been strongest is I've been able to look people in the eye and I've been sincere and they can feel that sincerity that I care about them. And because they can feel that sincerity, I've been able to, uh, to work with a lot of people and I've been able to trust them and they know they, they, can, they can trust me and that just adds to our overall security and the success of our mission. And it just, to me, that's what it means to be a Green Beret. Yeah, is, it's is that. having that skill to interact with those individuals. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so then after that, then we actually begin our operations, whatever those operations might be. Training is probably one of the biggest things that we do as an ODA. And that's cross-training each other, but then training those people that we're working with, getting everyone up, and what drives that training. A lot of things that drives the training is what's the overall mission? What are we doing? Are we training them how to be better farmers? Are we training them to, de- to defend themselves? Are we training them as a strike force? Um, whatever that big picture is, that's going to drive uh, the training. And as the weapon sergeant, shoot, I've been a senior weapon sergeant the entire time I've been a Green Beret. Um, I've been the primary person on the team who has led training um, with every deployment and every J set that I've been on. Um, that's that's what we do. That's what I do. So I think one of the last things talking about how and what makes a, an ODA successful 
with their mission then is after we've identified and we've done all this planning and now we're starting to do the training and we're building ops and we're working with the local people, then it comes down to, you know, administration and then just managing and running. Yeah. Keeping track of, of what's going on and keeping people informed. Um, I joke all the time about give me a whiteboard and I can take over the world. You have to be able to have a, a, a successful management tool and guys have to know what's going on and why don't underestimate the importance of why you can have the most motivated strong well-trained individuals but if they don't understand what you're doing you're going to start to run into problems you have to give them the justification and I know this is where a lot of leaders fail because well, I'm, I'm in charge. That's why. No, you, you have to be able to communicate to your subordinates and give them the overall big picture. If we take this bridge out, that means that the enemy will not be able to utilize this area of terrain, which will then have XYZ outcome. Giving the why now, my guys not only they're they're motivated, they're well trained, they're ready to take out that bridge, but they see the benefit in it and they see what the outcome is going to be. Absolutely, and the reason why I wanted to go through those steps very briefly and and, and lay that out. This is how an ODA functions. Is now I wanted to relate all that to to you as an individual. How can you think and work like a green beret? How can you function? And prepare like an ODA does, um, and I think that's some of the best advice that I can can give. What we're going to be talking about now is some of the absolute best advice that I know I can give to help you to prepare for the unknown, to prepare for emergencies, to prepare for you know whatever might come down the pike. So if you have all your prep stuff, you know you got your you got your bug out bag and you got your guns and your ammo and you, you got all your stuff and you got it hidden in your basement but you don't know who your neighbors are, you're completely wrong. And you're setting yourself up for failure. You need to get to know your neighbors. You need to get to know um, the outside world. There's a song that I was taught when I was a little kid at church. It's a, a song called Give Said the Little Stream by Francis J. Crosby. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, it's the words are simple. You want to sing it, Chris? I, w- I was really hoping you were going to sing it. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I am not going to sing this. No. <clears throat> so it, the, the words are simple. Um, give, said the little stream. Give, oh, give. Give, oh, give. Give, said the little stream. As I hurried down the hill. I'm small, I know, but wherever I go, the grass grows greener still. Singing, singing, all the way. Give away, oh, give away. Singing, singing. All the way, as Chris is trying hard not to laugh. Give away, oh, give away. <laughs> so I love that song. And actually, when I go run uh, a lot, instead of doing old 82nd Airborne cadences, I sing that one and a couple other ones in my head. What I like about that is hear this. And this, the lesson I learned as a, as a little kid, three, four, five years old, still sticks with me is, I'm small, I know. You know who am I? I'm, I'm nobody. I have a very small circle and a very small sphere of influence. Mm. 
but I'm giving, 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 and I'm always trying to give and improve. So wherever I've been, I've tried to work to improve, to help, to educate, to share the little bits that I know. Um, and, you know, here goes. So when you start to prepare, a good way to look at it is is to think small. Um, you know, just like that that song, I'm small, I know. Yeah, I'm a small person. So first I need to think about myself. Um, what am I capable of? What do I need to do to prepare? Uh, as I already mentioned earlier, you know, when I was a kid after getting those magazines and starting to think this way, I got my flashlight. I got a knife. Uh, I had my Bolt Action 22 um, that I got for my 12th birthday. I, I had all these things, and that's great. It's a place to start. But then, even though that's good, you can always improve and get better. So eventually, when I turned 18, I bought me that $89 Norinco SKS. That was an improvement over that Bolt Action 22. And I kept, and I haven't stopped since then, working to improve, working to get some better kit, uh, working to get more skills, working to improve myself so that I would be able to uh, really be able to give more and, and to help others just like that, that song taught me. So after you think about yourself, um, now you go out to that, that next circle. You think about your family or those that you're, you, know, you live with if you have roommates. Uh, where do they stand? What do they think about preparing? Are they as concerned as you? Are they more concerned? Are they not concerned at all? Um, you need to think about them and then uh, what are their capabilities? Work with them. You know, I'm lucky now that I have a very supportive wife. We're pretty much unified when it comes to preparing, so we work together hand in hand. We're raising our kids and we're teaching and educating our children, helping them to get skills, helping them to, to prepare. So we've got a pretty strong family organization. Now, outside of that, think of your neighbors. Who are your neighbors? What's their dis uh, disposition? What are they into? What do they like? Uh, you need to ask these questions, and if you don't know, you, you need to find that out. I think I shared once before here on this podcast, uh, I forget when it was, but talking about some of the neighbors that we had um, in Fayetteville, the first house that we lived in, our neighbors, uh, shoot, it. they might have been the ones who tried to break into our house a couple times, um, for all I know. But that second neighborhood that we moved into, a nicer neighborhood, we immediately you know, got to know our neighbors, neighbors to a right of us, the left of us, those behind us, got to know who they were, and we looked out for them, and they started looking out for us. Um, I don't know, I'm pretty sure I shared this, but I'll share it again, it's been a while. So as an example, that second neighborhood that we lived in, you know, one Monday night, there's a knock at the door, and it's kind of late, 8.30, maybe going on 9 o'clock, so I uh, grabbed my pistol, because I was kind of out of place, walked up to the door, looked out, didn't see anybody, opened the door, and didn't see anyone, and looked down, and there was a box. And just as I looked at this box and saw that there was, like, I think ice cream and cookies and some other stuff in it, our good neighbors to the left of us, uh, she was outside, she was on her porch, she was yelling at me, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it, some white boy just put it down there and ran away. So she was looking out for us. She didn't realize this, you know, someone from from the church who had, had come by and uh, was just trying to be nice. Do you know who that was? That was, uh, that was Steve, Steve Young. Mm -hmm. and yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, so then after you, you, you know your neighbors, 
then keep working outside. Okay, now I know my direct neighbors now. What about my neighborhood? Do I live in a good neighborhood? What's the area like? What's the local community like? Um, are there certain clubs? Are there uh, you know community centers? What are the churches that are around there? And you just keep working out and out um, that circle. So first you, then those who are living in your home, then your immediate neighbors, then your neighborhood or your, your surroundings. Um, and then you extend it even further. Who's your extended family? Who are your friends? Where do they live? I've got a lot of good friends and a lot of them that uh, I trust with my life, but they don't live next to me. But I, you know, I, I know where they're at. Um, you know, one of the things you're talking about here with doing your community, starting with your neighbors, mm-hmm. it's ink blotting. You know, yes. you, you put that drop of ink on the napkin and it slowly expands out. Think about, we have a, a I know here in Pennsylvania, the extreme weather isn't like, I, we have earthquakes everywhere, but not like what I grew up with or, or the hurricanes that we might have on the coast or down south or major storms or something like that. There still could be an event where we have power out for five days. Uh, shoot, my neighborhood, we have a bad windstorm and the power goes out for three hours. Uh, Jared is a good friend and doesn't live very far from me. But if I have no means of communicating to him or, you know, it doesn't matter that he lives 10 miles or he's on the moon. Who's immediately next to me? It's my neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to reach out to one of those two guys if I have an emergency. Because they're right there. Um, I moved in. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a social person. I don't like people. I don't like to make new friends. But I have to. Uh, it started to snow. I saw my neighbor. I thought he got his truck stuck. It looked like he got his truck stuck. Turned out he was just getting his mail. What did I do? I ran over there with a snow shovel, and I offered to help. I had not spoken to the man pr- prior to this. And now every time he sees me, he jokes about, hey, if you want to shovel my drive, you're, you're welcome to do it. And uh, we have that little joke. I built a fire pit, invited him over. We got to talk to him. We know that they've, you know, they've lived in that, that house for 30 years. they got grandkids. We've, we've, I'm not saying that we're good friends. But, but you know them. But I know them. And he knows me. Mm-hmm. And if something happens, you know, he knows he can come to me or vice versa. I know I can go to him. And where did that come from? Something as simple as I saw, you know, I just moved into the house. I hadn't gone over and introduced myself. But I saw that he might be in need and ran over to help. I, I gave a little. Yep. Um, and, yes, I, I've been getting a lot of, you know, jokes back about that. But no bad, you know. Um, when we moved in to, to our, our place, as soon as we got everything moved in and started putting stuff away, not everything was put away. Abby and, and some of the kids, they made cookies. So then that was what we did. We went to all of our surrounding neighbors. Hey, this is who we are. We just moved in, made you some cookies. Like to get to know you. And so then we started to get a feel for, for the neighbors. Some of her, you know, very appreciative and others like, oh, okay, yeah, but whatever. Now we're starting to, to know who they are because you're right. I do live pretty close to you. You live pretty mm-hmm. close to me now, but in that immediate emergency. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's your next door neighbor might not be like you. They may have completely different views on, on the world. They may have different political leanings, religious leanings, whatever. But in human nature, in that emergency, 
they are the next human being. Yes. So let's go back a little bit. So now we've we've are thinking and we set this up in this you know you said ink blot. Yep. These 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 circles. Um, so now out of all that that collection, that should be the new Instagram post. Everyone post ink blots. Ink blot. Yep. So now you need to start thinking and organizing these people. And it's a natural thing. You, you've already done it. Um, who's in my inner circle and who's going to be in, in, in the outer circle? Those people who are in the inner circle, those are you know the ones that you know you can trust, who, uh, who you've worked with before, might be family members, might be friends, you know, whatever. You could say, it's, it's safe to say, um, since you know us so well and we work together, that, that Chris and I are in each other's, you know, that, that inner circle. So once you start to organize yourself. You might be in my circle. I don't know if I'm in your circle. Well, and that's the way I want to keep it. Um, as you start to organize, um, you know, who, who's in that inner circle, those are the people that you can be more free with. And, you know, this is a good time to talk security. And what I mean by security when it comes to preparedness and everything is everybody doesn't need to know everything that you have or, or what you're doing. Um, I've used the example before. I have a good friend. He lives in Fayetteville. There's a tornado that ripped right through his, uh, his neighborhood. And because he was prepared um, and because he went out into his front yard with his uh, stove and, and he started cooking himself breakfast, he had a neighbor come over. And then he had another neighbor come over. Next thing you know, he was feeding the entire cul-de-sac for four or five days because nobody else was prepared. So that one little event there, that was very nice of him, very uh, Christian of him as, you know, whatever. But he lost all security. Now everyone knows is, oh, next time there's a problem, we're going to go over to his place because he's got all the food. So that security comes um, with you making that that decision who do i talk to about what i'm doing what my preparations are and, and who not to talk to there's a great great episode of the twilight zone it used to be on youtube i don't know if you can still see it on youtube um, but wherever you can see that maybe netflix and it's called the shelter watch it that is one of the best episodes ever watch the shelter so you need to be careful loose lips sink ships so with those people who are in your that inner circle, maybe you can be more freely and talk about. But those people in the outer circle, um, you might know them. They might be your neighbors. They might be good people. But you don't necessarily want them to know that you've got X number of bullets stored in your house or X number of, of food or, or, or whatever that case may be. Um, they don't need to know that, so you don't need to tell them. So it's important for you to mentally uh, make that distinction. You know, who's who's in the inner and, and who's in that outer circle. Um, it's safer for, for everyone involved. Well, you know, um, you, you say it's safer for everyone involved. One of the downsides of a lot of this are people not preparing because you're their solution. Mm -hmm. uh, simple example of this, when I lived in Clarksville, Tennessee, my next-door neighbor, there was a creepy guy wandering through the backyards her immediate reaction was to send her 14-year-old's daughter or granddaughter, I can't remember. To come get you? To come get me because, oh, Chris has firearms. Not to call the police, uh -huh. but or not to do anything herself. I was her answer to danger in the cul-de-sac. Well, Chris will take care of it. Chris will take care of it. Chris, I don't have to plan anything further than send a runner to wake up Chris. Uh -huh. And so we're doing a disservice to people being their answer. 
I know you've heard it. I know I've heard it plenty I'm of times. I'm coming to your house if there's a zombie apocalypse. Exactly. If there's a problem, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you. I know where I'm going. Um, well, that's great. And when people say that, that is, again, going back to that, that children's song, and that's a great time for you to, to do what you can to, to, to give. And what I mean by give is, is to help educate. No, you might not be able to, but let me help you, you know, get prepared. Let me help yeah, you. They, these are little. things that I've done on my journey mm-hmm. to get here. And it what, didn't start overnight. And what's nice about the, ex, the collective experience we've had the past 12 to 18 months is uh, people can now, who had never thought before, they can better relate just I a little bit. I should store toilet paper. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because we've had this this close to home experience where everyone more or less to some degree has experienced some of these things, they can understand it. Um, and I'm not saying being someone's answer is necessarily a wrong thing. Uh, you know, I'll give the example. I have a mother-in-law that lives in Utah. Uh, she is by herself. So my answer, because I'm not there, are my brother-in-law's. If there's something that happens to her, I know that I have family that can come and help her. You know, I am depending on people because I'm, I'm physically not there. My mother lives in California. I'm physically not there. My plan, what I have to count on is my brother to be there for her. Um, and those, that's okay. You know, they're still doing their own thing and they're still, they're preparing themselves the best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to take care of themselves the best they can, but geographically I can't get to them, you know, and those are people that I have responsibility over, you know? So sometimes we have to have that, okay, someone else is the answer. Yeah. Um, but in both of those cases, they're elderly people or it's a, a young, uh, newlywed family who has moved across the country and they're going to college they're away from everyone in their network. So their nearest relative happens to be four hours away or something like that. They, that is a starting place for them. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, let's, you know, let, let's, let's talk about that. So now let's look in the, the same basic criteria or the same, you know, the, the planning, uh, planning that, that we, we talked about as an ODA. Let's uh, take those correct principles. Let's take those principles and how would an ODA solve, you know, this problem of, of preparing? First off, you, you need to have an ODA. So I had mentioned the inner circle, outer circle. So that inner circle, that's, that's your personal operational detachment alpha. That, that's your, your ODA. And if that is just you and a friend, that's a good start. If it's, you know, you, your family, and a couple of other families, th- that's even better. So, you know, how do you grow that ODA? Well, you need to have good friends. You need to make friends. You need to, you know, analyze for yourself and, and judge and, and see what, would this person be a good fit with us? So I lived here in Pennsylvania and then I moved to uh, Fort Bragg. Well, actually to, to Fayetteville, lived there for a number of years. And then we moved to uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And we lived there for a number of years. And then now after I left active duty, we moved back to Pennsylvania, and we've moved a couple of places in Pennsylvania. Um, spent some time in Lebanon. Now we're, you know, over by, by Carlisle. So we've lived in a couple of different areas. And, each... and for 19 years, uh, Jared has been spotting and assessing <laughs> to see if I'm inner personnel qualified. That's right. That's the, well, you're calling it. Yeah, you know, I mean, 
we met in Fayetteville. But we, go ahead. Yeah, we we've lived and worked next to each other quite a bit. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. So in each of those locations, that's something that you know I've had the advantage with my my partner, my uh, my helpmate, my my wife. You know, she and I were the nucleus of our own group, and then we've you know, every place we've been to, we've made friends, um, and we've been able to find and and you know people who somewhat like minded, but also we've been able to find people who uh, who want to prepare, but they weren't quite where they wanted to be yet. So we've been able to help educate and help teach and help encourage to to grow that group. So so, so Jared is talking about me right now. He's trying not to say it, but. I'll go ahead and say it. When Jared and I first met in North Carolina, I think I had a box of macaroni and cheese as, you know, food storage. Uh-huh. So, yeah. He, and, I, and as he, a Greenbury weapon sergeant, how many firearms how many, did you have? I did not own a single gun. Uh-huh. And yeah. who, gave, who gave you your first firearm? Uh, that would be Jared. That's right. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so, so Jared, Jared has done a lot to bring <laughs> me along this path. Okay. It's a, what is that? Give or give? Give or give? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm going to say that... Um, it was a small snowball that started an avalanche, mm-hmm. you know. I, it, now here I find myself, gosh, I don't know, what, nine, 17, 19 years later, and I own a freeze dryer now, you know. I had to build a gun rack the other day because uh-huh. I'm running out of storage space. Yeah. Well, not storage space. Organization space. Yeah. Well, I, they I, can't I, all lay on the floor anymore. I, I love your uh, the text and the picture you put out in, in, in our group chat, the uh, – my home is feeding me as you proudly, and you should be proud, send a picture of your first harvest. That was, and again, for, for you guys listening, if you've never grown anything yourself. It Those were the best jalapenos I've ever <laughs> eaten in my life. And I was so angry the other day because I went Why? out to get the next harvest. Yeah. And some insect of some oh. kind got in and ate three of my jalapenos. Uh-huh. So now I'm I'm going to declare chemical warfare. I'm I'm going to spray everything with I don't detergent or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or napalm. Um, but yes. So wherever you're at, you know, analyze what is that that inner circle and grow your of? own Chris Johnson. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Help those people, educate those people, encourage them, and uh, make your it, even though it's a cheesy saying, but you know, better today. Than yesterday, better tomorrow than today, and keep working and, and growing that. So you need to to develop and grow your own ODA. And one thing that I've I've found is that uh, you really just need that that nucleus of you know four five or whatever. And then once you start to get more than that, you know six families, seven, eight, nine families, it's almost too big, and it's healthy for everyone to you know. Obviously, you're still going to remain friends, but maybe you know these four families will just kind of work together, and this, these other four families will 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 work together. And and well, it's like in you know the the fit the foreign internal defense. Mm-hmm. You're building a cadre. You're building a capability so that if something does happen. Now I have four or five families that can organize their neighbors Mm -hmm. and we can overcome whatever the the immediate situation is, whatever that emergency. So, so let's look at, uh, you know, the same way we began. PDSS. PDSS. So your, what's PDS stand for? Pre-deployment site survey. So you need to take a good hard look at where you're living right now. Or if you're going to be moving in the near future, where you plan on moving? Um, what are the pros and cons of, of the area? 
just because you work in Baltimore doesn't mean you need to live in Baltimore. You need to take that hard look and see what's the environment that I'm in. If things do get bad, is this a neighborhood? Is this a community that has the potential to rally and support each other? Or is this place just going to burn itself to the ground as soon as, you know, it's day number three and now no one has their cigarettes anymore because they're not coming in and uh, everyone's ran out of their, their liquor and now people are, are, are hangry. You know, what? you need to take a good hard look at that location and where you're at. All right. All, not, not only that, but what can my environment do to suit me? When I retired from the military, I didn't have to come to Pennsylvania. We chose to come to Pennsylvania. This isn't where I'm from, but we did our research. I had job offers all over the country. I had job offers outside of the country. Um, my wife and I are both from the West, and we like the desert. We really do. But if I was living in Arizona, water is kind of important. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's kind of limited in some of the places out there. And so that, being in fifth group for as many years as I have and, you know, deploying where I have, I know the importance of water. That was something that was important to me. So you have to, when you're doing your PDSS, you have to look at not just the people but in the environment. Can this sustain me? Can this sustain my family? Is there going to, what natural disasters can come through here? Mm -hmm. If there is a, a flood, what bridges are going to be knocked out? You know, it goes to the area study. Okay, how are um, goods and commodities brought into this community? Does this community grow things itself? If this community became isolated, how much could we sustain ourselves or how much are we just dependent on the outside? And I mean that you can you you need to go down the rabbit hole on this one. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's things like not just food, but okay, medical. How many beds does this hospital hold? We'll, we'll get to that. All right, we'll, we'll get to that. I keep jumping ahead. Sorry, folks. I'm just fast forwarding. Give me previews. That's right. It, it, you know, it would help if I looked at the notes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, we have notes? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, is that chicken scratch on your notebook right there? I wish you guys were looking at the film of this. Maybe someday. All right, so planning in the direction of ops. So now that you, uh, you know, you're taking a look, where do I live? Uh, now that the thing to do to, you know, following that success pattern for the ODA is, is what is my mission? What am I preparing for? What am I worried about? So with that, that PDSS, you know, that you mentioned. You've identified things. So I've identified, oh, I'm close to, to a nuclear power plant, or I'm close to a major river, the Susquehanna River. I'm close to, you know, X, Y, and Z, d different things that. Um, did you know that Three Mile Island is in Pennsylvania, not New Jersey? You didn't know that, did I you? I did not know uh -huh. that until I moved here. Yeah. Uh -huh. Way to go, Intel Sergeant. That's right. That's we, right. Hey, well, all, we all get something wrong every now and again. All right. That's good stuff. Hey, I'll call my mistakes when I make mm -hmm. them, so, especially when they're funny. <laughs> so, so what are you planning for? I know me, I have made it a mission in life to try to plan for, for the worst. What's the worst possible thing that can happen? So I'm concerned with social unrest. I'm concerned with the disruption of, of food supply, food chain. Um, I'm concerned with pestilence, with, you know, with 
shoot, at, at first I was very, very concerned with the propaganda we were being fed with with COVID. Um, I saw, I'm sure some of you saw, you know, the pictures coming out that's quote unquote, you know, smuggled out of uh, out of China with people like just falling over in the streets and, and things look pretty bad. Well, now it just seems it's... Uh, it was more of a, a, a psyops game than, than than anything. I'm not discounting, you know, how bad COVID is, but it's they're certainly overreaching. But but that's something you know to, to be concerned with. What what kind of disease? What kind of uh, you know pandemic you know, might hit? Uh, the, you know, the, so these are definite real things to to think about and stuff I've tried to, to prepare for. And you know, we've all experienced some sort of natural disaster. I mean, I'm 43. I've lived through several, you know, earthquake, hurricane, flood. Uh, so I've experienced it. Just like we talked about earlier, where we have people that, for the first time in their life, they see the value of having more than just four rolls of toilet paper mm-hmm. at a time. Um, especially when you have people, maybe your significant other or other people in your, your immediate family, that don't see the value because, oh, well, Society is never really going to break down like that. Okay, I got that. But it is a good idea to have extra food on hand because remember when we had that, you know, hurricane uh, 10 years ago, when we had that flood Mm -hmm. five years ago, remember that earthquake that happened over here and those wildfires and those people and what happened? That's why I want to buy those extra groceries. Um, So... Especially when we're communicating to people that aren't preparing for the worst. It is still easy to show them that tragedy happens every day to everyday people everywhere on this planet. So we have to be prepared. Just because you want to have a year's supply of food and they don't, um, you can still encourage them to to have one week. If they've got one week supply, that's better than none. If they have two weeks, that's better than one and, and so forth. Um, I know me personally, uh, you know, that's one thing that my wife and I strive to do is to have a good, uh, three month as well as a long-term, you know, food storage. It's just something that we've believed in that we've worked on. We're not perfect. We haven't been perfect, but we're still trying to improve. So when we did experience, financial hardships um talk about reassurance and comfort knowing that even though no money's coming in our children are going to be able to eat because we prepared ahead of time because i lived through it myself as a child when my father lost his job when he was laid off at one point and because i've experienced it as a father where we've had financial hardship I will always have food stores, do everything I possibly can when it's a time of plenty to prepare for those times of, of need. And what another thing that, uh, that we've been able to do multiple times um, in Fayetteville, in, in Clarksville, and then, you know, even up here, is we've seen other families who've lost jobs, other families. So then... Uh, we know they're they're struggling. They're doing without food. We just go down into our basement, start pulling from our pantry, and uh, next thing you know, we're we're delivering them a week's supply of food because we have it because we have it on hand. Um, that's one thing I have such a strong belief in 
and, and as you guys know, shoot, it's supposed to be a, a shooting company and I'm spending like a third of my time um, instead of uh, talking about guns and talking about you know, how to do the latest and greatest technique to reload. Uh, I, I'm, well, I'm encouraging I, people to grow food. And I, I, really, food I really think that's because, you know, as a light fighter, it's that well-rounded. Yeah. You know, where Lodestone is about being real, well-rounded. Great. You can shoot. You can make really, really fine, tiny holes. Uh-huh. Can you feed yourself? That's right. Or are you counting on your skills as a shooter to be a marauder? Are you going to go take from people? Then you're not a light fighter. You're not one of us. So, again, back to that that, pl- that planning and your direction. What are you planning for? And, you know, this goes back to... Uh, to the beginning of our, of our podcast when I talked about some of the experiences I've seen observing and watching these other individuals not individuals sorry these these other groups from afar what was their their motive what was their their big goal hey we're going to take this power back which resulted into a cult of personality instead of I just want to prepare and I want to help other people um, I want to be able to give mm-hmm. now, I, I, I want to be in a position that I can help other people with my skills, with the preparations that I've made. Um, yep. I don't want to be dependent on other people. So with that planning, organize yourself, prepare every needful thing. Oh, so you need to figure out what are you planning for and then base your actions upon that. As Stephen R. Covey said, uh, begin with the end in mind. That's a great habit to have. So what are your individual needs? Are you planning for a small group? Are you planning for large extended family? Are you planning for a large neighborhood? Those are good and fair questions that you need to ask yourself and then plan accordingly. Um, yeah, I have my family, but then also with my, my inner circle, my personal ODA, there's a lot of things that we do then collectively, such as a, a big bulk you know, wheat purchase. Um, that's something that we can save a lot of money when we, we pull our resources and, and buy in bulk together, just, just as an idea. So this ODA, it's designed to function as a, as a 12-man unit, like we've been talking about. But also with its organization, it's designed that it can function in, and can command a company. It can function and command a battalion. Those core people in that that ODA, that cadre, that cadre, they become a force multiplier. So you can think of yourself in that same way. If and when there is an, an emergency, yeah, you have your your that inner circle. But then now your inner circle, because you all also have that that outer circle of good people who maybe aren't quite preparing as much or as well as you have. Now immediately in that emergency setting, now you become that false multiplier. So now you can now include those people in that outer circle and, and help them. And then with more people, more good people, it just becomes safer and better organized for, for everybody. And in a, a disaster situation, when things are going wrong, one of the biggest problems, that, that vacuum of leadership, so much of our leadership has been defaulted to management. Yep. And not not knowing what to do, just waiting for someone else to tell them, and then they execute someone else's vision. We have to be prepared as that ODA, as that cadre, to give them that vision and give them some direction. It's something simple as we know the floodwater's coming. Everyone's terrified the floodwater's coming. The floodwater's coming. 
something, someone should do something about it. All it takes is one person saying, grab the sandbags. Let's start filling sandbags. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how to fill sandbags. Now, that requires that you know how to fill sandbags, and it requires that you've stored some sandbags, and you know where some sand is. But you can then organize those people, yep. and you can stop the flood. Absolutely. Or manage the flood. Manage the flood, yeah. Or protect your homes protect from... Protect your homes yeah. from the flood. So that kind of leads into you know, to the next one, intel. Yep. So how do we gather uh, intel? Well, you, one, what intelligence do you need? What's important for you? And then two, uh, what kind of network can you set up? So an example that, that you can use is, okay, a flood. Well, we live kind of close to, to a river, but I know I have a neighbor who lives two miles away, um, right down close to where all that water's coming. So if I'm concerned with a flood, he's definitely going to see it before me. So as now, since that's my concern, I make sure that, you know, we're friendly with him. And then not only that, I want to build that friendship because he's now going to turn into a source of intelligence for me. Um, so then once the floodwaters start to get high by, by him, he'll let me know. So that means, oh, now I have a couple of hours or I have a day or I have a couple of days until that high flood waters now is going to be affecting me in relationship to my house. It's kind of a simple explanation, but that is one of the ways to work your inner and outer circle is what's important. What's, what's good what, intel? What information can they provide for you that mm-hmm. you can then analyze and get that intelligence off of? You know, and sorry, people, I keep jumping ahead, but that, that analogy you gave, okay, so you have that neighbor that's two miles away, all right? He starts to see the water coming at his house. All he has to do is throw up a flag or fire a star Ooh. cluster. Get the communications right in there in your analogy. We'll, we'll get the, I said I jumped ahead. I know you did. We'll get to that. It was your analogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, other other sources. You know, right now we are just so used to having information blasted at us, whether it's on our phones, our news feed, uh, the cable news networks, radio talk show hosts, podcasts. Uh, we have information just streaming into us, and we're very used to. The pre-digested, someone telling us what to think. Mm-hmm. You got to understand that's only information. You're the one that has to process that information. Turn it into it's not intelligence. The, the information that Jared and I are giving tonight, it's information. You have to turn it into intelligence. You have to see how it applies to you and what you can do with it and how to make decisions for yourself off of that intelligence. Um, you know, talking the the power is out. This, this is something I just did recently uh we had a bad windstorm power got knocked out of my house um where i live we have spotty cell coverage to begin with so we kind of rely on for our cell phones uh being wi-fi well power's out we got no wi-fi so i need to know what's going on i have two choices i can get in my car and i can drive around or walk i can move my location and uh, go find cell coverage or I can move and, and look around and see my environment and see what's going on. I recently grabbed a, a little uh, drone just for hobby purposes. So I thought, huh, I'm lazy. I don't want to walk around. So I threw the drone up. And so now I have an asset in the air flying around 
you know, it doesn't have crazy range, but it had enough range that I could see the power truck at the broken power line fixing. And I'm like, hey, they're working on it. The power will be restored in like an hour or so. Fly the drone home, pull out the lanterns, play some card games with the kids. Um, I use that to get information. Um, that was a visual resource. It was a capability that I had um, to go out and do the same thing I could have done by walking or driving. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a visual source of collecting information. When um, when you were invading Iraq, I was doing hands across Afghanistan and uh, at, at the same time. And, boy, that was boring. So we I had, was shooting people in the face. Uh, it was not boring. Yeah, well, whatever. It was boring for us. So we didn't have any information, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're out in the middle of nowhere in Afghanistan. But one of our Terps, what did one of our Terps have? He had a shortwave receiver, and he would turn it on to to the BBC. So we, you know, when we weren't on duty, we'd huddle around him in the middle of nowhere Afghanistan listening to this radio as the BBC was reporting uh, the invasion of Iraq. And we're listening, you know, to the play-by-play again. Go ahead. So you, you bring up the radio, right? Mm-hmm. The CA packages, the solar power, hand crank radios. Mm-hmm. Do you remember giving those out? Yeah. yeah. Every trip I'd grab a handful of them and just, you know, they're sitting boxes of them lying around every fob you went to. And I'd throw them in my tough box because, yeah, why not? If anything, at the end of the day, it's a hand crank flashlight. Yeah. My kids love that stupid radio. They've got one of them right now, and they've had it since we were in Tennessee, and we had a really bad power store, power outage that lasted for like five days. That's their like, oh, the power's out. Yay, we get to bust out the radio and crank it up and listen to the radio. And, uh, you know, the radio may not always be going, but um, that's a neat item for them to get information. Yeah. We may not have anything coming in at the house, but we can go on the AM band and, you know, pick up something. It's very... Yeah, it's useful. So again, with Intel, you need to figure out what do we need to know and how can we get it. Uh, again, another idea, and again, one from kind of from my youth, is we had the local uh, um, gas station, independently owned, and we got to know the owner, and it was kind of a hangout. My dad would, would go there sometimes after work and just sit around and BS with some of the guys who were there. Um, but knowing that gas station... There's some good information there. Is gas coming? Um, are we having shortages? If so, when, when is that shortage going to come? How much, you know, just some good information that you can get. Getting out and talking to people in the community. It, I don't know if this is a Pennsylvania thing or it's just like central Pennsylvania where we're at. There are diners. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't seen diners ever in my life. Uh-huh. I've seen them on TV, you know, and, and in movies. I understand what the concept is. But right down my street, we have the local diner. And we kind of ate at it the other day, well, I guess a couple months ago, as a joke, like, oh, let's go to the diner. Oh, no, this is actually kind of nice. You know, and you have locals that come there. Yes, there are locals that be there every day or every other day. Exactly. All right, so, again, the intel leads right into what we're talking about, communications. How are you going to communicate? Um, Again, think small. And, and grow that the ink blot out, so I can, I can talk to my family. I can, uh, you know, leave 
signs or things that, that mean specific stuff to my family. Or as I'm starting to grow that circle out, I have my, my radios. I have my... If, if I disable the Big Brother app on my drone, I can fly it to your house. <laughs> okay. But it can't carry a payload. I'll have to write something on it. There you go. Uh, and then, you know, ham radios. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Uh, so as an example, you know, we did this thing. We worked as an ODA. Uh, we worked with our inner circle, outer circle, uh, last year here in Elizabethtown when there was uh, the uh, Antifa were coming into town to uh, to protest and to potentially riot. Um, there was uh, a bus that was pulled over that had a lot of, what, bricks and, and, and stones and stuff. So then now the fear was they're, they're trucking stuff in. A lot of the local um, businesses were justifiably concerned because uh, they didn't want anything to happen to the businesses. Uh, Where'd the bus come from? I forget. Where'd it come from? Tennessee. Okay. All right. So, uh, oh, good. That's good to know. So there were some justifiable concerns. And uh, a lot of the local businesses turned to, uh, you know, to to Lanco. Um, our office, as you know, is above Lanco. And they were, you know, what should we do? They had a meet, meeting with the chief of police, yada, yada, yada. And long story short, they organized themselves. And with our help, we set up a, a, a talk. What does talk stand for? Tactical Operations Center. So we set up a talk with radio comms. So we had virtually every business down these two main streets here in Elizabethtown able to communicate and talk to each other in case there was a problem. We ran it all out of here with some, some nice radios. Um, and then we worked with the local law enforcement as well. So we had this communication set up. So if there was a problem at one of these locations, not only were we aware of it, so we as concerned citizens could potentially help, but then also we could immediately inform the local law enforcement and have them deal with it. What was really nice working with law enforcement is once they realized how organized we were and that uh, we had all kind of rallied together as these you know, individuals and concerned citizens in these businesses on the outskirts, they were able, because they had... Um, law enforcement up here, they, they were staged all over the place, then they were able to pull all of them and go down to the center where all the, the protesting and all the commotion was so they had more resources to keep everything in check. So it, it was relatively peaceful. Had we not organized, had we not had those lines of communication set up, had we not acted like an ODA in planning and preparation and execution of that, uh, of that event, it could have been a lot worse. They might not have had enough law enforcement there. Things could have got out of control. Um, who knows what could have happened. But because we worked together as a community, it was it was okay. The people could have the freedom to voice what they wanted to voice. They had their peaceful assembly. Exactly. Didn't get the, out of hand. The people that wanted to cause trouble were discouraged not to cause trouble. Yep. So that, that communications is, is important, and that's something you need to think about. And if that's a hole in your uh, being well-rounded and planning? It's a hole in all our plans. Everyone needs to work on it. All fingers pointing at me. <laughs> then you need to work on that. So then the comms rolls right into logistics. Um, so think about logistics. What do you have stored and prepared? If all you have is a two-week supply, well, that's a heck of a lot better than, than a one-week supply. Um, what are your weaknesses? Identify that. Where are your weaknesses in your logistics? Do you have a Rubbermaid to fill with gasoline? You know, again, using recent things that have happened. Um, I, I made a comment today in, in the class about how I don't let my, I don't like to let the gas in my tank get below half. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't like to let it get below a quarter. Like, you know, 
three quarters, I, I've got to, I've got to top off. If I'm doing a, a long road trip or something, I'll fill up every half tank. I like having that. I want 200 miles range at all times um, in my vehicles. That's logistics. My very first ODA, I was on a mobility team, and gasoline or diesel or whatever fuel economy that you have, that's something that you have to calculate and you work. You need to work on. Uh, what do you have on hand? You got enough gas to run your lawnmower? Well, that's a start, you know. Um, do you have a cycle plan for the gasoline that you have? Uh, have you treated the gasoline that you have? That's all logistics. And that's stuff that we run into all the time. Along with that, thinking as that individual, thinking as that, that family, um, think about your community. Who or what in your community uh, can help? Um, we need water. Then we need food, then we need shelter, then we need fuel and possibly transportation. What is there in your local community that, that can help with those things? Um, it might pay to get to know that, that gas station. It might pay to get to know the, the owner of the local dollar store or grocery store or you know any of these things that uh, can help with that logistical problem. It, it, it helps to, to know those individuals. And if you don't know them, you need to get to know them. Think about what is your weakness what are your weaknesses? How can you improve them yourself as an individual? And then think that of that community. Um, let's go on to the uh, liaison and coordination. Because we, we've been talking a little bit about logistics and, 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 and some of the, you know, the other stuff. This all comes down to, you know, who do you know? Uh, who do you need to know? Do you know your community leaders? Who are your community leaders? Do you go to any of the community events? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that I feel most Americans are being, their eyes are being opened up to right now is, well, all this stuff is happening at the community level, at the school. The schools are deciding to do these things that, that I don't agree yep. with. And when someone starts to bring this up, my first thought is, did you go to that school board meeting? Did you, when you voted for the school board members, did you just vote along party lines? Or did you actually look at that person's background or who they were? Uh, or did they just have the appropriate letter next to their name that you said, oh, yep, they're good. Mm -hmm. um, they say they're something, so they, they have to be good. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you have to be involved and you have to talk to these people. And they have to know that you're someone that they need to know. Um, and that will only come about by having those face-to-face -face relationships with them and, and interacting with those people. You know, twofold. One, with technology, cell phones, and other stuff, we collectively, we are making the conscious decision to isolate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then two, there are people who are attempting to, groups, organizations, whatever, for whatever reason, who are purposely trying to manipulate us to, to isolate and to call the, the other people the, the bad guy, right? They're, they're, they're the bad people. Whoever they are, they, they're, they're the, the they. bad ones. It's, the they. Exactly. And I've mentioned before one of the second or third order effects that I've been very proud of with teaching and training is getting Johnny Civilian, who's got a gun, and Johnny Law, who has a gun for work, and getting them together on the range because both groups are being told, hey, you need to be suspect of them. And after they're on the range, after 15 minutes, 
wow, you're, you're okay. And again, so it's just spending that time looking each other in the eyes and doing something collectively together. Now we're creating, you know, lifelong friends. Um, so you need to do that. You need to build those relationships. You need to go outside of your comfort zone, put that phone down, look someone in the eyes and have a conversation with them. And social media, technology, whatever these people, they want us to be divided and they don't want us to have normal conversations. It's a normal, it should be a normal conversation or a normal thing to talk to somebody and you don't have to agree on everything. You can respect the other and not agree. That's okay. But, you know, what is social media and everything? They, all they want is the contention. All they want is, is that divide. Oh, you don't, you don't like green and I, you know, and, and I do? Well, then you've got to be, you know, got to be the worst person in the world, whatever the case may be. Red but versus blue. <laughs> right. But you need to go out there. You need to know your community. Um, you need to know. You know, what, what groups are, are in your area, in, in your neighborhood? What churches? It doesn't have to be the church yeah, that you attend. You know, talking churches. Yeah. Um, my wife in Tennessee, she was on a, a board that they would go and meet with all the different mm-hmm. uh, church leaders from all the different congregations. And they had a goal in mind, uh, you know, community, Christian-based community, supporting and sustaining one another. Uh-huh. And they chose a, a very simple activity to um, to help this come along. Every uh, December, they would have the Festival of the Nativity. Okay, yeah. And all these different Christian churches would come together, and we would host it at our church building. Um, and they would bring nativities, and they'd have musical numbers, and people would come in. And we were able to have, okay, you may disagree with me on this particular theological thing, but at the end of the day, we're all... Mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters, we are all Christians, you know, and we saw more common ground and we were able to build friends and build a community. Yes. And, you know, it extends, it doesn't just have to be Christian churches working with Christian churches. I mean, in this day and age, there's there's so much contention out there. We need to work with all churches, you know? Yeah. If you're on the side of righteousness, you may have different uh different views and or you may be missing certain points but uh we're still trying to raise our children with with the exception of very few uh organized belief systems um virtually everyone can be boiled down to treat somebody the way you want to be treated and on that we can all yes rally and we can all support each other but again it's it's important for you to know and and get to work with them because then when there is that emergency that's going to be organizations that you can work with you might be able to influence they might be able to influence you and be able to mutually support each other it it really comes in the oda concept right Mm -hmm. we don't have to do everything as a lone wolf i have to liaison with everyone right well i'm not really a people person I'm not really good at making friends, but my wife is. My wife is really good at disarming people and, you know, being able to have conversations and make friends and get into these organizations and meet with these groups. And I'm sitting there beating my head against the wall. Like, can we just go home? Um, (laughs) But because we have that group, because we have that ODA, someone else in your group may be better at it than you. Absolutely. So... 
don't think, oh, this is another thing I have to do. You know, I, I think one of the, the things that we're really trying to talk about is not having that, that list. Too often it's, you must have, you know, this many pounds of food, this many bottles of water, this much 9 millimeter, this much 762 by 51, this much 762 by 39. It's not about a list. That, that's an individual thing. You're going to come up with those logistics. You're going to come up with that, um, those liaisons. You're going to know what you and your group uh, of your inner circle needs. So again, to kind of wrap up that, that liaisons and, and talking to people, it's important for you to know those organizations. So if there is an emergency, say there's social unrest, um, there might be churches that you know to be a safe place for people to go if uh, their neighborhoods are getting burned down. Um, then you know, you know, you yourself, as well as others, maybe some friends or people in the community or law enforcement, you guys can can be the force protection for those individuals. You know, or just whatever the case may be, by working as that that ODA, you can have your core people, and then you can work with those other organizations to solve whatever those problems might be. And I, one of the key things is if you don't start now, if you don't start building those relationships, it's going to be pretty hard to have that relationship when you're in the middle of that emergency, especially when, when there's no trust. Um, you need that relationship beforehand. Yeah, if I just show up to... Uh whatever and i'm just a guy in kit yeah they don't know who i am Mm -hmm. they don't know my background we haven't had that we met at the ballpark and had that conversation before yep great example so we mentioned last year because we had talked to local law enforcement because the chief of police here had talked to to the owner of lanco when we and others were kitted out as force protection in front of the gun shop because we didn't want anyone coming into the gun shop the cops waved at us. The cops offered to give us some water if we needed some instead of them treating us completely different. Oh, as, here's you know, another problem that here, i got to yes, worry about. Here, here's yeah. a threat. Exactly. Exactly. And the only way to do that is, again. You had that liaison. Had that liaison and you had that, that relationship of trust. Um, training. So now, you know, beforehand, as you're thinking of as an ODA, what's the collective skills that we have as a group? Um, in my family, in our, our group of friends, or those those in the, the inner circle, what skills are we lacking? So then, where do we need to focus our training to, to fill that hole? Um, and then another thing too is is when you're thinking that larger picture, you know, look at that community. Do we have a hospital? Do we have um, another resource there? We're we're going to have individuals who who have definite skills. You know, me, yeah, I'm I'm a soccer medic. I'm good. I can deal with trauma. I can treat trauma very well. But now, as soon as we start to get to extended care, I might not be the best. So if we do have other people, you know, who have that skill, have that skill, that's, you know, that's someone you need to reach out to. Also with training, not only do you need to identify the training that you have and the training that you want to work on and improve, um, but can you teach? Because in that moment, can you train? You're going to hear that force multiplier. Um, when those people who are in the outer circle, those individuals who you've done the best you can, you know, they've got a little bit of food, they got a little bit of preparation, they got a little bit, but they're still coming to you. Now, are you able to, uh, to teach them and help them so that they're not a burden on you, but they can actually be a help and an asset? You know, it goes back to you have to sleep t- sometime. 
you're the best shooter in your family. I'm the best shooter in my family. But we cannot be up 24-7. Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to say that I'm not the best shooter in my family? No, 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 oh, okay. no. I was going to say thank goodness for Ben. You know, oh, yeah. He's only at three. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we have to be able to train others around us. Mm-hmm. And then we, when we start gathering other people from that outer circle, you have to be able to give them the abilities and pass on those things. Uh, something is sim- very simple. Your na- civil unrest. Your ma- neighbor may have a firearm. They may or may not know how to use it. Do you know how to give a very basic class to make sure that they're safe on it? Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, it's, again, we're going to firearms, and we know it's not just that. Well, that, that's can, that's an easy thing. Yeah. It's, can, do you know how to grow food? Can you teach others how to grow food? And that's one of the nice things. I'm learning. That's, that's one of the more, I guess, rewarding things that my wife and I have experienced as we have worked with different, uh, you know, mutual support groups or whatever, collectives of friends, this ODA that we're talking about, is all the other skills that, that we don't have that we've been able, when we meet or we get together once a month or once every couple of months, um, someone will do a class on canning because they've been canning their whole life and teaching the others, hey, this is how you, you can can food um, or whatever the skill might be. And that's very, very rewarding to to pass those things on and help build the collective skill set. All right. So now we've talked about all, all these these things and we've related these these principles of, of how a, an ODA prepares itself, how an ODA goes into uh, on, on its mission. And we've used these same principles to explain how you as an individual with your, your family, your group, whatever, how you can organize yourselves and how you can approach these problems. Uh, the last one really is is administration. How do you run? How do you uh, work? And how do you, you know, organize yourselves in that regards? And the first question you need to ask is, can you govern yourself? Do you have the, that self-discipline to do the things you need to do and not do the things that, you know, you shouldn't do? And then uh, how is your inner circle work? What's the dynamic between you and, and your friends um, in, in that inner circle? And if you don't have an inner circle, think about that as you start to grow and expand that circle. Is this a, a dictatorship? shouldn't be. Is this a open communication? It, it should be. Um, you want to figure that out. You want to figure out that dynamic before an emergency. I want to talk a second about how an ODA functions and how it makes its decisions. Um, this is very similar to what's called a, yeah, having a council, um, where everyone in that group, everyone in that family, everyone in that council, everyone in that ODA, from the most experienced to the least experienced, has equal right to say whatever it is they want to say on whatever the given topic is. We need a plan for this. We We need to... You know, what would be the best food for us to store? Well, that's a good open conversation. You talk about it. You talk about it. Ways, pros, and cons. People have opinions. And you then as you talk about it, you come to that common consensus. Okay, this is right for us. Well, once you all agree or come to that consensus, then that decision's been made. Then everyone needs to respect each other enough that you're going to you know agree to that decision. And... That is one of the best ways 
to plan beforehand and to tackle those those kind of problems. Um, listening to everyone, everyone gets to talk it out. Chris, would you would you agree? I think that's one of the number one strengths of an ODA is during COA development, course of action development. You all agree that we're going to come up and plan these things. We're going to have the thoughts. But once it is decided, that is what is decided. And whether I do not like the concept of we're going to do that fast rope because fast roping hurts my ankles every time, that's what we've decided. So I'm putting all my effort now into that because I'm on board with the group. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that, well, the team leader says we're going to do this. Most often it's because the team leader is the most junior guy on the team. But that's a different thing. Um, but, no, having that that voice. And, again, I go back to why did I stay on an ODA so long? Why did I want to stay on a team? Because it's a team. Because we made the decisions together. We were that council. We could sit there and we could put up five target packets and have that discussion of, well, if we, do, if we attack this, it will affect the ne- network like this. And we could weigh out the pros and cons together and come up with that decision. Sometimes I got my way. Sometimes I didn't. Either way, it was always successful because once it was made mission, it was the mission. Yeah. We all had ownership of it. And I have found that with that group discussion, with that council, um, whether you're using it there in the ODA or, or in other circumstances, when you actually function as a, a council and you work together, you talk together, you mutually respect each other, the solution that you'll come up with is by far superior than any one person's who, whose personality might be strong they, you know, and trying to override everyone else's opinion with, with their will. Um, that group will come up with a better solution. Now, the balance is you do need to have some kind of a chain, chain of command. Somebody does need to be in charge. There's all kinds of different ways to figure that out. And it's some it's very natural just with personalities. Who is going to be quote unquote in charge of, of your your family, your group, your, you know, whatever, your organization. That's normal. There's other ways, you know, through election or whatever. And really that's I don't care. It's up to that individual group. It's up to you and your personal ODA to, to figure that out. Because sometimes there are too many ideas and concepts and one needs to be picked. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, we've had the discussion, and now we're getting into that quagmire of we're bogged down. We can't waste time. We need to go forth with the mission. And by recognizing that individual, and yep, the buck stops with that guy. Yep, there we go. That's the answer. We're doing that, and we're all getting behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, it, what I was thinking of is, um, again, to use one of the analogies we used earlier of, of the flood. Okay, we already had the, the discussion five years ago, and we decided if there's a flood, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. So you need that leader, that person to go, okay, now, the flood's here now, now we need to execute right now. And that's not the time to default to that council and like, well, maybe we should wait, maybe we shouldn't wait, you know, maybe, you know, whatever. And then that, you're just wasting time. And that time could mean loss of resources, loss of lives. It could, it could mean any, any number of things. So you definitely need to have that, that chain. So in those emergency moments, that person says, we need to do this and everyone executes that. But as much as you can beforehand, figure out those things, talk about it, talk in that council. 
Um, that is really, that's really the, the way to operate. And if you want to get into your history, that's the way the Constitution was written, through that, that council, talking it out, talking it out, talking it out. And, you know, um, you, we're both fathers. We both have young children and older children. Uh, having that counsel, even though, you know, something that, yeah, at the end of the day, I could easily just be like, well, I'm father, and this is the way we're going to do it. The benefit of letting the family have that counsel mm-hmm. and grow and those children learning by example of this is the proper way to have a discussion. This is the proper way to have a disagreement and how to work through it and come out on the other side. There's so much value in that. Well, to have that, that young child with older siblings have that reassurance that I'm of value. I, I can say, even though it might be silly, I, I can voice my opinion and everyone's going to be quiet. Everyone's going to listen to me and, and give me, let me say my two cents. That's, that's invaluable for their, their growth. Yeah, their growth. growth. And it, it's, yeah. we are raising the next generation. You know, we are, we are raising our replacements. And that's what a good ODA does. You know, we always grow from within. We always cultivate. And, you know, the junior Bravo will be the team sergeant. Mm-hmm. So by giving those good, correct principles and showing and leading by example, when he's a team sergeant, he's going to be a phenomenal team sergeant. We got to do the same thing with our kids. I just got a new junior Bravo. Man, he's such a good guy. Really, really happy. I, he's probably going to be it, probably my last junior that I work with and train. And, man, that's I'm going out it's, with a bang. It's good that he's already good because you don't have a lot of time and effort. I, I You're like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not getting trunky. <clears throat> not yet. So we've spent almost uh, getting close to two hours now talking about this. And uh, just to restate everything, um, we want you to prepare. We want you to be ready for, for the unknown. Who knows uh, what could happen tomorrow? Um, you could lose your job. Uh, maybe you already did lose your job. The zombies could rise, uh, you know, something crazy. We could get EMP'd, you know? You know what? I say that often, and I, maybe I say it too much, thinking, oh, it's never going to happen. This is, we're recording this on the 24th of, of July, Pioneer Day. Um, and last week, if you weren't paying attention, you missed what China said to Japan. Some minister in Japan said something about we need to stand with Taiwan and uh, the United States and, and Japan, we need, to, we need to support them. And then China responded, basically, uh, China said, we're going to nuke you and we're going to nuke you and we're going to nuke you and we're going to nuke you until you, once again, Japan, give an unconditional surrender. You mind your own business. Don't mouth off. That's a real threat. That's the world that we live in. And things could happen very rapidly and they could happen uh, if you're not paying attention unexpectedly. Um, that was pretty bold of them to, you know, to say that. Of course, there's no way to, you know, to plan for everything and to organize everything completely. But the more work you do beforehand to plan for those emergencies, the better you can deal with whatever the emergency uh, comes. Simple analogy. You have to run a mile race. You can either wait till the gun goes off or you can start walking now. And at any point, the gun could go off. But every step that you take further... A little bit closer. Is a little bit closer to the end. Yep. So that gun may go off when you're halfway through. 
That gun may go off the moment you step off the line, but at least you're one step further. So to wrap this up, you can't do it by yourself. Reach out to other people. Get to know your neighbors. Think realistically. Uh, you know, plan realistically. Uh, work with your loved ones. And uh, I know I've tried, and I'll continue, and I'll never stop um, taking the advice of that that song I learned when I was a little kid. Uh, I'm small, I know, but wherever I go, that grass is greener still. Uh, I wish you guys could see Chris's face as he's laughing at me, but it's a truth. Um, Give where you can, educate where you can, uplift where you can, encourage where you can. Um, You're not alone. We're not isolated. Uh, The Lodestone Training Consulting community is is awesome, and it's growing. It takes a village. Oh, I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) No, we're not communists. Uh, But hey, we really appreciate you guys, and hope you take this to heart. And share this podcast if it makes sense, with, with some of those people in your, your outer circle um, or take some of these ideas and, and share it with them. Um, the more people who are ready and prepared, again, if they're only prepared for a week, that's better than, you know, not Three being prepared. Days. Yeah. Inkblot. Inkblot. Yep. All right. We appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Things to teach them.